I'm Robin Amler of IBS Intelligence. You're listening to the IBS iViews podcast. With me is Corey Gross, Chief Executive Officer of Sensibil. And we're going to start by discussing the difference between vertical and horizontal consumer data platforms. At least I hope we are, because I'd like you to explain that to me. What is the difference between a horizontal CDP and a vertical CDP? Horizontal CDPs are customer data platforms that really are industry agnostic. So they could be just as effective for a, uh, a small technology firm as presumably uh, suit the needs of a large enterprise, be it in healthcare and financial services um, or in retail. Um, however, the kinds of data that they ultimately collect um, and uh, connect to various systems at those enterprises tend to be very common ones. So if you're thinking about click-through rates, if you're thinking about interactions with a mobile app or a website, um, they are, are, are generalizing common data forms found in all these industries and allowing organizations that leverage this customer data platform to get a view of the customer based on those kinds of interactions. So think of, a, of, an, of an everyday CDP having you know, these three, three major uh, pillars. There's, they're looking to you know, ingest data, uh, then they're looking to analyze data, and then they're looking to connect that data. What a vertical CDP does is very much the same in terms of those three pillars, but what they're doing is they're uh, taking data that's very specific to a particular industry and ingesting that kind of data, analyzing that kind of data and connecting it to systems that are very unique to that industry. So here's an example. There are CDPs that apply to the, you know, the entertainment industry, concerts, uh, events type of spaces. Well, you know, obviously app click-through rates and website visits might be helpful for one part of their business, but they're really looking at, you know, tickets purchased, the frequency of customers purchasing tickets for particular events or going to particular venues and using that to understand a customer so that they can better serve that customer and better optimize their their product and ultimately their marketing spend. So vertical CDPs, industry specific, horizontal CDPs, industry agnostic. You gave us the example there of the entertainment industry. Can I ask you to give us examples of how this would be useful in the financial services industry? Obviously, in financial services these days, you get a large digital banking presence. So horizontal CDPs value to a financial institution and financial services companies are really understanding how they interact with the app, uh, how they frequent websites, what kinds of products and, and marketing that they respond to on those websites. But where a vertical CDP becomes much more valuable is in ingesting, you know, product usage data, spend data like credit card transactions. Analyzing those kinds of transactions are not, you know, they're not generic kinds of transactions. You have to cleanse, you have to really uh, structure data here that tends to be fairly unstructured. And then when you're analyzing it, you have to, you have to be a, a subject matter expert of sorts to be able to maximize the value of that uh, extracted data such that when you connect the customer profiles that you derive from this data to various systems across a bank, whether that be a CRM, whether that be you know uh, an intercom type solution for customer service, or whether that's a marketing automation system, you want it to be responsive to things like what kinds of products a particular account holder is subscribed to, mortgages or uh, child savings plans, and then uh, of course their transactions. And that's not something a horizontal CDP has particular expertise in. What you're telling me is that this is the kind of data that financial institutions need to arm themselves with in order to improve the customer experience. 
Part of it is customer experience, of course. I mean, if you think about some of the most popular and successful uh, horizontal CDPs, a lot of who they serve are engineering teams and product teams, and they leverage that profile data and the data that they get connected to to better optimize their app experiences and better optimize their overall product. Financial institutions have long talked about this idea of the 360 view of the customer. Uh, we joke about it uh, at Sensible, where you know you can hear that so many times at a conference, 360 degree of the customer, it may as well be a great drinking game. But the idea here is you know, what you're looking to understand from a customer's transactions, from the types of products that they subscribe to based on different parts of their lives, you're looking to understand their customer needs so that they can, and their and their, their lifestyle choices and the life stage events that they go in and out of over time, like buying a home or having a child, so that you can proactively meet their financial demands. So one part of it is, like you said, optimizing the digital experience and optimizing the customer experience. But on the other end of this, it's how can we proactively uh, serve their needs and make banking more accessible to them than it was before? Okay, let's move on to your barcode report. What are you seeing in consumer spending trends? Oh, boy. Uh, so if you have a look at the barcode report, we've done everything from analyze, uh, you know, the spike in pet related purchases, whether that's new pets themselves or pet food and pet toys. And obviously how that might inform a financial institution is uh, banks these days are selling pet insurance. So if they're able to understand which customers are more prone to pet spend, it might help them understand which customers are more protective and uh, passionate about that lifestyle. And so they can proactively serve them with products and services that are meaningful for them. We've also seen everything from, like I said, aforementioned pet spend to when uh, COVID was at its peak, people were seriously missing the, the theater experience. So there was a boost in popcorn sales. And how might that help? Well, uh, if you're a financial institution, you might be able to do partnerships with organizations like uh, like Netflix, like Amazon, which I know some banks have, because spend on Amazon Video and uh, Netflix and Disney Plus were all spiking because p- people couldn't have those uh, in-theater experiences. Uh, we've actually seen, which is most relevant probably over the next week, the difference in customer spending in Canada and the U.S. as it relates to Thanksgiving spend. So there are Canadians who may not be as passionate about cranberry sauce and turkeys. They're not exactly born out of our historical traditions. But in Canada, people will eat out more around Thanksgiving or order Chinese food, that kind of stuff. But in the States, people are preparing ahead of time for their Thanksgiving holidays. So it gives you a sense of, you know, family uh, traditions and lifestyles, again, which might relate to, you know, how you can, you know, alleviate people's spend or offer them bonus points during certain times of the holiday or on certain retail uh, type purchases that are most meaningful to them. Which comes back to customer experience and everything you've been saying is about personalizing that customer experience, making it relevant to me as the consumer. That's right. That's right. And before I forget, uh, uh, Barcode is a public newsletter. So if you ever want to check out more uh, information on the Barcode, you can head over to GetSensible.com and find more information on the Barcode. Because again, it speaks exactly to what you just said, is how do you create better personalized experiences out of customer lifestyle data? How can you ultimately better understand proactively where a customer is going to require a financial institution to serve them during certain times of their lives. And that to me is the next wave of personalization. It's proactive, it's accessible, it's transparent, and it's making the customer feel part 
and in control of where their financial livelihood is going. Not having to dig and search through websites or a bank's own uh, website for where they can find products that might be interesting to them. Let's take it a stage further then. We're coming towards the end of the year. What are the trends you think are going to be highlights and lowlights of 2022? That's an interesting question. So, you know, Black Friday coming up. I'm interested to see now with COVID restrictions being lifted across North America, how that's translating to in-store shopping. I know that my wife was at the mall over the weekend and it may as well have been 2019 all over again. So I'm interested in, in from a retail perspective, the split between digital and, and in-person shopping this holiday season. Overall for 2021 and, and, and how that leads to 2022 is I think the resurgence and desire of people to get back to their everyday lives. We've seen a lot of, especially over the last couple of quarters, a return to uh, restaurants. Uh, so less takeout, less Uber Eats stuff uh, than, than we had seen during the height of the pandemic and more in-person restaurant uh, restaurants, uh, get-togethers, wedding presents. We're seeing a lot of a lot of transactions being marked as gifts. So we're, we're seeing more public gatherings. We're seeing more, uh, or I should say private gatherings. But um, I think uh, what we'll see in transactions is people's uh, movement towards a return to normalcy. Or what passes for normal. Surely, though, we're not going to drop all of the digital activity we've been doing for the last couple of years. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's that, that's there's been a precipitous rise of online shopping over the last several years, even pre-pandemic. One of the things that we would often say as we were talking about the movement to digital was that, you know, 35 percent of all shopping was being done online and 50 percent of that was on Amazon. So if you fast forward to 2020. Uh, two, you know, obviously those numbers have tilted a great deal, uh, both in Amazon's favor and in online online shopping's favor. I think that people want to return to in person over the short term, particularly. I think you'll see a spike in tourism. You'll see a spike in people wanting to get back to their routines in terms of you know their their weekend date uh, dating routine with their significant other uh, or friends, and just people wanting to enjoy more of being in an in person life as it becomes more and more available to them. And then I think you'll see things, you know, get back to where they were. People are getting used to having their groceries delivered, uh, even pre-pandemic with Instacart. People are used to shopping online for everyday household items on uh, Amazon through their subscription service. So I don't think that's going to go to pre-pandemic levels. I think there will be a lot of stuff that carries over. But I mean, we've looked at over the last 12, 18 months, uh, almost nil, uh, you know, um, dining, outdoor, uh, you know, in-person dining. And, and that's obviously seeing a big rise over the last six months. Corey Gross, Chief Executive Officer of Sensible, thank you very much.